All right, you can open your copy of God's Word or turn it on if you're using an app to the book of John. will be in chapter 11 starting in verse 17 today. Uh, if you're using one of the Bibles we provide and you need a new Bible, number one, that's a gift to you. And number two, it's on page 897. All right, and uh, this morning I want us to think about what does it look like to live emotionally healthy like Jesus, all right? Emotionally healthy like Jesus. I want to give you a little bit of uh, computer science history today. On September 19th, uh, 1982, there was a professor at Carnegie Mellon named Dr. Scott Fallman who invented a very important tool that now each of us enjoy in our lives. And he did so by typing a colon, dash, and an in parentheses by which he invented, yes, the emoticon, all right? That was, did you catch that smiley face we just put in the air, all right? Just boom, like that. And, 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 and from that time now, uh, you know, to this day, people, people say that, that over six billion, yeah, and this was a few years ago, so it's probably like eight or nine billion now, uh, emoticons are sent Every single day. I don't know about you, but I send, I send more than a few text messages every single day, uh, which means I send more than a few emoticons. And I just love this. You know, I, I winked at Pastor John. He said we were buddies. I already winked at him this morning, you know, kind of cutting up, asking him uh, for, for something. And, uh, and then, you know, when I, when I send my wife messages, um, you know, she loves it when I put, you know, you can see these frequently used I wish you could zoom in, super zoom right now. Uh, you can see there's a heart, there's a heart eyes, uh, there's a kissy mouth heart, uh, there's the heart that's dan- the dancing heart. Emo- I don't even know what that means other than maybe just the, the feelings and the emotions of love that I feel for my wife every single Now, some of you are judging me right now, all right? You're, you're judging me, you're thinking that's cheesy, all right, you know? Well, I, I'm unashamed. All right, judge away. I'm unashamed. Um, you know, but there are all kinds of there are all kinds of options. You know, we have uh, the confounded, you know, face. We have the uh, weary and exhausted, you know, uh, emoticon. We have the uh, the angry guy. Can you see this this red face right here? Just. I mean, you can't see it, but you've seen it. Come on, you've seen it. Just turn on your phone. You've seen it before. The 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 angry face, the sobbing grief-stricken face. Uh, We use these all the time, every day. At least, you know, the vast majority of people in the world are now using these emoticons. And hey, no judgment on you if you don't, all right? If you just use all, you know, your your text and with with words uh, instead of symbols, then that's wonderful too, all right? Wonderful too. We're proud of you, all right? but, but, But I wanna ask you a question, all right? I wanna ask you a question. Um... What, what do the emoticons you use say about you? What do they say about how you are expressing 
emotion. Now, uh, of course, we can't like just draw uh, one-for-one conclusions about your uh, emotional state by the number of emoticons you use, because quite frankly, I never use the angry dude, uh, but I definitely get angry, you know? So that may say something about how I'm expressing my emotions, um, but, but, but just think about that. And I really want to, to use this as, a, as a, an example, because uh, hopefully, as you're using these throughout your, your week and your life, uh, it will uh, remind you that God wants us to pursue emotional health. You see, God cares about not just our physical bodies, and I'm going to preach on physical health next week. Never done so before, like a whole entire sermon on physical health, but I'm really excited about it. So be here, bring a friend next week, all right? But, but he cares about our physical health and our spiritual health, but part of our spiritual health is emotional health and relational health. And it's amazing how emotional health and spiritual health and relational health, they all work together. And for the longest time in my life, I can just share a little bit out of my story. When I first started following Jesus as a young man, uh, really what I thought Christianity was about was about acting like Jesus acted. All right. So in other words, very moralistic. All right. That wasn't probably the problem of, you know, my pastors and my teachers or whatever. That was probably a problem with my listening skills. It's already proven that sometimes I struggle today. Um, but, but, but then as I grew in Christ, I, I learned that our acting like Jesus acts flows from thinking like he thinks, right? So we have to know his truth. We have to know the Bible and what he said about our world and himself and us so that we can actually act like he wants us to act. But, but then I started to grow in my understanding that God wants us to get to the heart, that God is a God who cares about what's going on below the surface. And so I started to understand more about not just acting like he acts and thinking like he thinks, but loving what he loves and wanting what he wants. We're talking about affections and desires. God cares about everything. But it probably wasn't until about Nine or ten years ago, and my growth curve on this has been, I think, I hope, significant uh, as, as, uh, as I've moved forward over these last, you know, nine, ten years, where I've come to discover that God cares a lot about me feeling what he feels. God wants us to experience holistic health. To pursue Jesus is not just to pursue spiritual health or relational health or, um, you know, physical health, but it's also to pursue emotional health. So we're going to go to a story today that reveals the emotions of Christ, perhaps better than any other story in the New Testament. And my primary encouragement for us today is to pursue emotional health by pursuing Christ, all right? Pursue emotional health by pursuing Christ. Let's see what the words of John chapter 11 have to teach us about the life and the emotions of Jesus and consequently our emotions as well. Picking up in verse 17, this is what the Bible says. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So the, the very first part of the chapter uh, tells us that uh, one of Jesus' closest friends, Lazarus, has died. And Jesus interestingly waits four days to go and to meet the grieving family. That's where we are. 
Now, when Jesus, Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's pray one more time. Father, in these moments, 
we ask that you would open wide our hearts. We confess right now, God, that we can be some of the most protective and defensive people that we know. And so, God, we need you to open our hearts. And we need you to help us see ourselves as you see us. And to understand our emotions, what they are, how they work, and and what you want us to do with them. And so go help us now, Lord. Help me now. As we dig into this truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What do we learn about our emotions from this story? What do we learn about emotions from the life of Christ? I want to give you three truths this morning, okay? Number one, emotions are reflecting God himself, all right? Emotions reflect God himself. What, what are emotions, okay? Emotions are, are complex and not easily defined, all right? Uh, the word emotions comes from a Latin word, which means to move. And we see how this works, that emotions move us internally, okay? They, they cause us to feel certain things on the inside, but they also not only move us internally, they move us externally in that our emotions often will move us to specific actions. We could say that emotions are complex responses to life's experiences that reveal what we care about, all right? I'm going to say that again in case you want to write it down. Emotions are complex responses to life's experiences that reveal what we care about, all right? Now, you and I know that there are two equal and opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to our emotions, all right? Uh, number one, uh, on the one hand, we can suppress and isolate our emotions. On the other hand, we often express and let our emotions dominate us. So, so think, about, think about the first, where we suppress and isolate. These are people, okay, maybe you're there, maybe you're there certain days or weeks, where you want to ignore your emotions and hide your emotions, right? It's like emotions, like being, expressing emotions, that, that's for weak people. So let's just move on and get over it because fundamentally what these people may be saying, if not in actual belief, at least in actual practice, is that emotions are not good. Emotions are bad. But for those who express their emotions, uh, they may be very, very, very in touch with their emotions. They may express them so freely that they so intensely focus on them that their emotions begin to dominate their lives. In other words, everything is filtered through how they feel. How they feel dominates how their week goes. So I just want to ask you this morning, where where are you on the spectrum? How do you relate to your emotions? But here's another more foundational question I want to ask and answer. Why do we have emotions in the first place? 
Well, I mean, we, we are experiencing emotions all the time. Perhaps when I shared the topic about emotional health, you started feeling a certain way, right? We're just, we're just always experiencing them. And why is this? It's because we are made in the image of God. People have emotions because God has emotions. Emotions are a gift from him. And so let's just say this together, all right, on the count of three. Emotions are not bad, all right, ready? One, two, three. Emotions are not bad. Thank you. That was really good. I'm not even going to make you say it twice. It was so good the first time, all right? Good job. Emotions are not bad. Now, I want you to say this after I say it. I will not judge you for your emotions. I will help you with your emotions. That's what we're called to. We don't judge one another for feeling a certain way, but we want to help one another as we experience the array of emotions that we experience in this life. So it's in verses 33 through 38 that we really start to zoom in on the emotions of Jesus in this story. It begins by saying, when Jesus saw her weeping, speaking of Mary, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, what does it say? He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. These two phrases, deeply moved and greatly troubled, are like windows into the heart of Christ. They show us what he's feeling in these moments. I mean, have you ever lost a loved one? When's the last time you went to a wake or a funeral? And what's going on there? People are expressing and experiencing wave after wave of emotion. Because... They love this person so much, and they're dealing with their loss. And, and even relationally, as, as person after person comes, that shared care and concern for each other wells up another wave of emotion as we process what has happened. This is what is going on with, with Jesus here. He's with people that he loves, and they're hurting, they're in pain, and he enters into their pain. He expresses his own pain in these moments. The, the words deeply moved, this phrase, uh, it can mean uh, greatly agitated or disturbed or upset. Jesus is not living on this end of the spectrum of suppressing his feelings. He's expressing them. But then the next phrase, greatly troubled, it takes it to the next level. This is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. The original meaning carried the idea of actually like snorting with rage. That's how deep. It's, it can mean that, that Jesus was shaking with indignation and rage and fury. Why would have, why would have Jesus been so angered in this moment that, that moved him to the point of tears, not just probably because he's angry at what's happening, but he's also feeling the loss of his friend. Do you see how all of this is just working together in these moments? I think the answer to that 
question is this. Jesus is deeply moved and he's greatly troubled because he's furious at the effects of sin and death. Death has a way of unraveling us. We see this physically in the picture of Mary. She sees Jesus and she just falls at his feet, distressed and disturbed, distraught over what has happened in her life. She's lost her brother and lost him too soon. And Jesus feels the weight of this. And he knows that this is not the way that it was supposed to be. God didn't make us for death. God made us for life. That's God's plan. That's how it was in the beginning. No death. But death enters our world because of our sin and our rebellion. The just consequences of our sin is death. Jesus showed up. This story reveals that Jesus showed up to reverse the effects of death. Not just for Lazarus on one day, but for us all forever. He died and rose again because he is the resurrection and the life. Therefore, if we look to him and believe in him, we'll experience life forever. Both abundant now and eternal in the next life. And so Jesus is deeply moved and greatly troubled because he knows this is not the way that it's supposed to be. And he feels their pain. He feels his own pain. Now, now you, may be, you may be thinking about the story at a theological level, and you may be saying, no, 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 wait, hold on just a minute, all right? He already told his disciples who didn't want to go back to Jerusalem because he knew that people, they knew people wanted to kill him. If you look at verse 16, I love this. Thomas says, let us go to Jerusalem so that we can die with him. That's not why Jesus delayed. Jesus delayed so that God could be glorified. In other words, Jesus knew. He told his disciples at the beginning of chapter 11. He told Martha when he's talking to her, hey, your brother will rise again. He's going to rise. Lazarus is asleep. He's dead. He's going to become undead. He's going to become awake. If Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, then why is he crying? Why is he crying? Because in Jesus Christ, you have the fully perfect God and the fully perfect man. As the divine son of God, he has the power to speak life into that dead man and cause him to rise again. Amen. But as the perfect man, who is also the perfect God, Feeling what God feels. He feels the pain and the gravity of the moment. So he weeps. Wow. That's the kind of God I want to follow. That's a God who understands me. Amen? There's a good book, another good book, uh, on emotional health. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. That's a mouthful, but it's a good book. 
And the author is a pastor from New York City. His name's Pete Scazzaro. And what he says is this. The subtitle of the book is this. It's impossible to be spiritually mature like Jesus if you remain emotionally immature unlike Jesus. You see that? Think about this. It's impossible to be spiritually mature, all that God has made you to be, if you remain emotionally immature, if you don't express your emotions in a God-honoring way and a way that's going to help the people around you and yourself and yourself. And so, number one, emotions reflect God himself. But then, number two, emotions respond to perceived values, all right? Emotions respond to perceived values. This is clearly what is happening in the life of Jesus. Look back at verse 33 one more time. What does it say? When Jesus saw, you see that? When Jesus saw her weeping and everyone else weeping with her, this is when he's deeply moved and greatly troubled. We saw this a few weeks ago in Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus sees the crowds and his response to seeing the crowds is to be full of compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. That's why we pray for more people to go love those people like he loves us. We saw this last week with the fire is still burning. Moses, God shows up to Moses in a flaming bush that would not go out. And he says, I've seen the oppression of my people. I've heard their cries. Our emotions are a response to what we value and love. What we care about shapes what we feel. Jesus clearly loved Martha and Mary. He felt their pain. He loved Lazarus. He ached in his soul at the loss of his friend. Jesus loved life and hated death. That's why he shook with rage and emotion over the consequences of sin and death. And this is true for every single one of us. Don't don't miss the second point. Emotions respond to perceived values. This This is why you experience emotions. This is true on the grandest scale, the, the most major issues in life at the loss of a loved one. I mean, we, we took a, a story from Scripture that is, that is kind of on this end of the, the, the extreme in terms of the, the weight of emotions that we'll feel at the loss of a loved one. But listen, emotions, are, are the, the same principle is in play no matter what the emotional moment may be. And so let me just ask you, you know, just to kind of think at a more granular level, at a, at a smaller level in your life, does anyone ever get emotional about food? Come on now, don't, don't lie. That's right. I know that laughter means you, you do, right? It's like, I don't want to eat that, man. I want to go to my place, not their place. I mean, any, anyone? Yeah, just, not just me. Thank you. Oh, I see that hand up there. That's, that's honesty in church. Thank you. All right. We get emotional about food. Uh, does anyone ever get emotional when uh, plans get changed? Or when 
the plans could have been planned better. Anyone just kind of get agitated, irritated, a little frustrated, you know, like some of you are just so cool with that. You don't give a, you don't just care at all. But then other people are like, why have we just thought through this? What about the morning commute? Come on, I-93, anyone? What about that moment on the train when the train is absolutely packed? They've tried to shut the doors like three times, and then this lady keeps sticking her leg in there. You know what I'm saying? Just to like, you're like, woman, this this train is packed. We don't want your smell. Lisa, no, just don't say that, but like, we don't want you on here, and we're already late to work, or we're already late for dinner. It happens over and over and over and over again. We're always experiencing emotions from the grandest scale to the smallest scale. Just take uh, Mr. Titus Storms in our home, okay, our one-year-old boy. This is a great test case for emotional health, all right? Uh, and he's not always emotionally healthy. Here's the evidence, all right? So, so, so Titus and the remote control. <laughs> when Titus gets the remote control... Titus gets happy. (laughs) When Titus doesn't get the remote control, Titus gets angry. When daddy gets the remote control, Titus gets jealous. When daddy hides the remote control, Titus grieves. (laughs) What we care about shapes what we feel. And just to zoom out a bit, just to zoom out and help us here. We can consider the emotions of Jesus all through the Gospels. It's not just anger and grief and, 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 um, and affection that we see for his friends. But what about his compassion? We talked about it in Matthew 9 and uh, Matthew 20. What about exuberant joy? I mean, Jesus keeps telling stories about how there's rejoicing, there's rejoicing, there's rejoicing. Did you know that he was accused? I love this story in Matthew chapter 11. Just go read it in your spare time. All right, they're talking about John the Baptist. Some people were hating on John. And so Jesus sticks up for his other friend and he says, you know what? Hey, John the Baptist is not a shaking reed. There's no one greater born among women than John. Stop talking bad about John. But then then he indicts the religious leaders because he says, hey, you wouldn't follow John because, you know, you didn't really want to say that he had credentials and credibility. You wanted to be right, not him. So you didn't like John who was more serious and a little more prophetic and it kind of felt more like a funeral when you were hanging out with John. This is what the Bible says. But now that I have come eating and drinking and hanging out with sinners, The children are playing a flute for you, and you won't dance. John's here, you won't mourn. I'm here, you won't dance. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm the God of the dance. Come on. He's the God of joy. He wants us to experience joy. He wants us to have a smile on our face more than once a week. That's right. He's compassionate. He's, he's exuberant in joy. He, he, he experienced consuming zeal, like a passion. It's just like when we were singing that song, You Make Me Brave, I just kept hearing the words, let's go after it. Let's go. 
He, he makes us brave so that we won't cower back in fear, one of our emotions, right, that holds us back. And we live accordingly, which we, we live in, in, in this kind of posture of, 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 of holding back, of reticence, of hesitancy. But when God comes in and his presence and his love fills our heart, it gives us the courage to move out. Let's go. Let's go after it. Let's have some zeal like Jesus Christ. I mean, did you, did you know that the Bible, are you ready for this? The Bible actually commands us to express emotion. So, so we're like, we're not getting out of here like with the ignore piece. Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4. Give thanks in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians 5. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Wow. James chapter 4. Be angry. Be angry. And do not sin. <laughs> Ephesians 4. It's commanded. God wants us to experience godly emotions. And just real quick, listen. I love this story because this story teaches us that it is okay and it is proper for us to experience mixed emotions in our lives. See how Jesus is angry on the one hand, but he's grieving on the other and he's loving on the other? The, the authors of this book, Untangling Emotions, is really good. I've already given two copies away to uh, some of the people who arrived here first uh, today uh, by Alistair Groves and Winston Smith. Um, they say that mixed emotions are the right response to a mixed world. So, so when you say, man, my emotions are, are mixed, and you might feel like that's bad when actually it may be what is called for in that moment. But, but even, even the, the reality that our emotions can be mixed and that we're always responding to the perceived values, what we love, what we worship. Can we just throw that out there? What we worship, what we value, we're responding to on an every moment basis in our lives. Which means, number three, we need to engage them. Emotions reflect God himself Emotions respond to perceived values. And then number three, emotions require engagement. I want to show you this real quick. All right, check this out. So this is what, this is what happens so often with our emotions, all right? Someone showed me this last week. It's so good. I just want to show you. Um, so, so what we often do, remember the two spectrums, right? Um, on the one hand, we, we kind of, you know, uh, we say, here's, here's an emotion. I'm angry. I'm fearful. I'm confused. And so often what we do is we just kind of go around it and we ignore the emotion. Or maybe, you know, we just kind of want to get through it real quick, so we just kind of fly through and we express our emotions all over the place. But what God wants us to do is he wants us to engage our emotions and have a seat. This is what Jesus is doing in the story. He has a seat. He feels greatly agitated. He's grieved over the loss of his friend. He doesn't rush over to raise him from the dead, which would have been really great for everyone else, but he actually sits in the emotion. 
he engages with it. And that's what God wants us to do. Emotions aren't bad. He, he wants us to, 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 to know what's going on with ourselves and to help one another know what's going on with us so that we can work through them in a God-honoring way. And so let me give you a little framework that the authors of this book, I think it's chapter 9, uh, give in this, in this book on engaging our emotions. All right, four steps in the process. Right? Number one, identify your emotions. What, is it, what does it mean to identify them? So many days, uh, we, we really, it's even hard for us to know what's going on with us emotionally. I mean, have, has anyone ever asked you, like, hey, how are you doing? How do you feel? And you stutter or you're silent because it's hard to give an answer to how you're doing. Right? This is just, this is just how, it, how it works. Something we express like, I feel off today. But we don't really know why. And so we, there's always stuff under the surface, right? We need to work to identify our emotions. I mean, you know, we've all experienced this, right? It's like, uh, hey, you, you seem a little stressed today. I'm not stressed. What are you talking about? Anyone? Right? So we have to identify our emotions, and this happens as we examine our emotions, number two. We do this individually by being curious about ourselves, by asking questions. We can ask questions like, why am I feeling this way? Why is this hitting me so hard? Why have I not responded in the same ways that I used to respond, given the same situation? But I tell you what's even better than, than, than you examining yourself is to have others help you examine yourself. We, the, the greatest path, listen, the greatest path to self-awareness is bringing someone else in to help you know how you're doing and where you are. Ask the people closest to you what they're experiencing when they're with you. Listen to this. Ask someone what they experience when they see your name pop up on their phone. Or they receive an inbox from you, an email in their inbox from you. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness. But here's the beautiful thing. Listen, God made us not just as emotional beings, but relational beings. And so he actually commands us to what? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's when we enter into one another's emotional experience that we grow closer together. Marriages should be in touch with one another emotionally. Close friends should be in touch with one another emotionally so that we can support one another in the journey, right? So a simple framework for this is enter, understand, bring, all right? Just write these three words down. Enter, understand, bring. Enter, understand, bring. We enter their emotional experience. We seek to understand their emotional experience, which means we need to become better listeners and less great talkers, all right? Some of us struggle with that, um, and then we bring the truth of Christ to the table. Did you see that? We enter their emotional experience. We, we understand their emotional experience. And then we bring the truth of Christ into their emotional experience. We bring the hope of the gospel into their emotional experience. We pray with them in their emotional experiences. And why is this so important? Listen to this, all right? We need to be aware that we have an enemy and that our enemy has some really slick schemes. 
And so what happens is we experience like a good and godly emotion like sadness. And then the enemy comes in and he says, you're worthless. Or, or we experience a good and godly emotion like anger, but then the enemy says, hang on to that anger and don't let it go. Don't go talk to that person and seek reconciliation, but just be angry so that your anger can turn into bitterness and resentment. Oh, those schemes are slick. Joy. Something great's going on in your life. You experience joy. That's wonderful. We're rejoicing with you. But all of a sudden, that joy can turn into pride in about two seconds. So this is why we need to help one another identify and examine. And then number three, this is super important, right? Because of those schemes of the evil, because of the fallenness of our own hearts, we need to evaluate our emotions. Why? Because our emotions are not morally neutral. Our emotions will be either expressed in sinful ways or righteous ways. Our emotions will either serve in a constructive way to build ourselves and others up and increase our relationship with God, or they will be expressed in destructive ways and hinder our relationship with God, hinder our relationship with one another, and harm ourselves in the process. And so we want to express and experience emotions like Jesus. They were always righteous. They were always leading him to appropriate actions. They were always guided and filled by the Holy Spirit at work in his life. And so we identify, we examine, we evaluate, and then we act. And in acting on our emotions... It has to do with feeding healthy and godly emotions and starving unhealthy and ungodly emotions. And you say, well, Tanner, how do we do that? If, if this is about getting God's heart, feeling what he feels, then we get God's heart by going after God's heart. We get God's heart by going after God's heart together. That's what a church is all about. We need one another. Hey, listen, newsflash, Pastor Tanner gets discouraged. I get discouraged sometimes in my life. I need not just my wife, but friends who are praying for me, friends that I can go to and say, hey, would you pray for me about this? This is something that I'm anxious about, that I can't get off my mind. And I want not only to pray and cast my anxiety on God because he cares for me, but I want you to pray with me and help me cast this anxiety on God because he cares for me and he cares for us. That's how we act. Our emotions reflect God himself. They respond to perceived values. They require good and godly engagement. And so this is, this, I just want to end with this. As we think about pursuing emotional health by pursuing Christ, engaging our emotions happens as we pray all throughout the process. One thing that God has taught me is this. When I get discouraged... When I get anxious, when I am fearful, 
when I'm upset, yes, when I get angry, the best thing for me to do often is, is not only, yes, push play and sing a praise song. Let's never forget that. That comes out almost every sermon at Redemption Hill if you're new. Push play. Secondly, this. Get outside and take a walk. And as you walk, talk to God. Take it to the throne of grace. I mean, you can do this in your home, and I know it's about to get cold, but I'm just, I'm just declaring right now on November 3rd at Redemption Hill Church, your boy, Pastor Tanner, is going to be taking more walks in the negative, uh, you know, below 10 degrees. I'm talking single digits. That's what I'm trying to say at Redemption Hill this morning, all right? Why is that? It's because, like, when you're outside, you, you, you feel more of how big God is and how small your problems are. Open up the blinds and look out the window. God is big. God is on the throne. God cares for you. I mean, we were singing this song about his love, wave after wave after wave after wave. That's what happens when I push play. That's what happens when I go for a walk and I talk to God and I pray for him. What, what I'm doing is I'm sitting, not just in my emotions, but I'm sitting in his love for me. Oh, God, thank you for loving me like you do. God, no one loves me like you. No one walks with me like you, God. No one helps me through the mess of my own heart and the mess of my life like you. Have a seat. Engage with God. God cares about every emotion that you experience in your life. If you'll just give it to him. Again and again and again and again. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have made us like you. And you have helped us understand that our emotions are gifts from you. They, are, they help us, God. They help us through life. They help us make wise decisions. They, they help us relate to one another, God. They help us relate to you. You tell us to delight ourselves in you and, and to rejoice in our salvation and to, to praise you, to, to, to experience uh, all of the feelings of, of just being uh, exalting and exalted in your presence. And so, God, I don't know what the, 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 the challenging emotions are for my friends here in the room, but I thank you that you do. And, God, I just pray right now that you would help us all to cast them on you because you care for us. And so God, even as we sing, Lord, that this wouldn't be just like a final song and we go on about our days and we do our Sunday thing, but we would just sit with you, that we would allow you to work your feelings into our hearts, that you would clean up the ungodly responses of our lives and to fuel the responses in the heart of Christ that they would become our heart. And so, Lord, help us now. Help us to move forward in the grace that you give us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.